Impact is on your one and only source for Michigan State men's basketball analysis and some fun talks. Uh, season 7, Episode 2. Once again, I'm Julian Mitchell, joined alongside Trent Bally and Natalie Kerwin. we got a lot to talk about today on the show. Three games to recap, some Twitter questions, and another game and an actual an entire tournament uh, to preview. But before getting into it, first, how are you guys doing? Excellent. Life is good. Had a nice little call with Natalie last night. It was fun. Uh, we went to the game. You know, good time, play-by-play, all good. Life is good. Yeah, it was my first time ever being on the call for a game, so it was quite an experience, but I think Trent and I were a good duo, helping each other out, and, um, you know, I was doing color for the first half, and then we switched it up, um, and I was trying play-by-play, which I didn't think I could ever do, but... I think it turned no, out you pretty rocked good. It. We rocked it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> Julian, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. good. Not too bad. Thank you for asking. People don't always ask the host. I don't always you know? ask the host. You know, I'm the one who gives. I never give. What a but gentleman. Got to make sure we don't leave anybody out, especially <laughs> when he's wearing a LeBron hat. Got to, you know, Of course. Of course. Got to show some love. But no, I'm doing good. That's good. awesome. Glad you guys had a great time. Natalie, are you going to return to call another game? I think so. I think Boom. i got to get a little more practice in. I think that's what it takes is just reps, and I had never done it before, so... There we go. That's yeah, what we like to do it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. We like to hear that. Well, we'll get into that game against Charleston Southern on Monday a little bit later. We're going to start first. Just going to do a quick recap. We won't really touch on any takeaways or anything since it was so long ago. Uh, but the Michigan State Spartans, now number three in the country in the current AP poll, uh, I think about a week or so ago now, took on Bing Hampton uh, at the Breslin Center. A nice, easy one for Michigan State, 100-47. to uh, Just give you some quick stats from that one. Looking at 17 points for Cassius Winston in that game to go along with 11 assists, played 26 minutes. Xavier Tillman coming right behind him with 17 points as well to go along with eight rebounds. Uh, Then a plethora of other players in double digits for Michigan State in that game. Uh, The important piece of that game, that was the game uh, the night after learning of uh, Zachary Winston catches his brother's passing as he was struck uh, by a train on Albion's campus. Um, the day before that Saturday, that before that game, uh, Cassius did play in that one. Very emotional game um, and very big game for uh, the star point guard for Michigan State. So that's uh, the game against Binghamton. Just a quick touch on that game. Uh, we're going to move on to Seton Hall now and get some takeaways and thoughts from that game. Pretty much an, an instant classic um, in Newark in that game against Seton Hall. First true road test of the season for Michigan State uh, heading on the road to take on Seton Hall. They ended up getting the win 76-73 to in a, a nail of a game. This game also, to honor catches his brother, uh, Michigan State debuted the smoothie patches that they are going to wear all season long in honor of him. But like I said, a big 76-73 win on the road for Michigan State in this one. I mean, before even getting into some of the stats and getting your guys' thoughts, this was just an absolutely epic game. Um, we ended up getting the battle that we wanted to see between Cassius Winston and Miles Powell uh, for Seton Hall. Didn't know if he was going to play with an ankle injury. He ends up playing and drops 37 points in a spectacular game. And all in all, a great game, and I want to get your guys' thoughts and takeaways first on the Seton Hall victory. Yeah, it was a barn burner. It was really fun to watch for sure. And it's uh, Thursday's my favorite day of the week, so it was just great that it was on a Thursday. You know, I could come home and just watch that game. <laughs> and it was awesome, and it was late at night. Whole field was awesome, but uh, this was the first prototype game for me where you see the depth 
that we all kind of saw from this team before the season began. Um, because, you know, your two best players, Xavier Tillman shot 11%, Cassius Winston 35%, and they combined for eight turnovers, but other guys stepped up. Rocket Watts obviously hit a huge three down the stretch uh, to cut it to just two points with, I think, just over a minute left. And Foster Lawyer gave Tom Izzo seven minutes when Cassius Winston got in foul trouble and put up five points. Nice little thing you like to see there. And obviously Malik Hall, we'll all talk about that later, but he balled out. That might, you know, 17 points might be his career high until his sophomore season. So, uh, that's just something to me that you kind of look at. You go on the road against a good Seton Hall team, you get a win, and it's because of your depth, not necessarily being carried by Winston and Tillman. Like you guys said, it was an absolute battle, and I think Seton Hall proved to be one of those tougher teams in college basketball. Those are kind of the games that you like to see, a tough matchup like that. At the time, it was, what, 3 or three versus 12? Yeah, they were, Seton was? Hall was 12-ranked team. Yep, yep. yep. Um, like you said, led by star guard Miles Powell, which everyone was excited to see that matchup, 37 points, which is just crazy. Um, no one knew if he would overcome that serious ankle injury. They were yeah. saying that Quote he unquote. had. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, he did great. The size of the Pirates was unbelievable as well. They played really tough around the rim, and it wasn't anything easy for the Spartans. Um, but like you said, Trent, uh, it was easy for us to kind of play through that depth and see players like Malik Hall kind of have a great game and maybe get some answers for that fourth spot. I know we're going to get into that, but that was kind of my big takeaway from the game was Malik Hall. Yeah, I got all of the same points coming from that game. I do want to touch on, because Trent, you brought it up, um, the fact that Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman both kind of limited in this one. Winston very much brought it back in the fourth quarter, but for me, watching this game, I just looked at Xavier Tillman, and Allie, you touched on it, the the size of this Seton Hall team was was massive. They were long, they were tall. One of their guys, Romaro Gill, is like seven foot one, I believe, um, six eleven uh, for their other big man. So they had height and they had length. Uh, but I think one thing that I kept looking at and I kept going for is it seemed like every time Xavier Tillman got the ball on the block, he didn't have a move to go to. Yep. And I, I don't know. We're still very early in the season, but especially when Winston got in foul trouble in that first half and it came down to other guys and Tillman to kind of make a push, it seemed like Xavier Tillman just in that moment, didn't look that look like the guy. And I'm curious to you all whether you think this is something that just had to do with the length or it's something that maybe is going to be seen from Michigan State this season that people are going to start figuring out that pick and roll between Winston and Tillman. Well, Tillman's, his kryptonite, his whole career up to this point as a junior has been height because he is only 6'8", which isn't necessarily a skyscraper for uh, college basketball. But, um, yeah, he shot one for nine against Gill, who ended up – Ended with five blocks for the Pirates. That's a that's a pretty big number. But um, when I look at Tillman, I just think ultimately, I mean, the Spartans would like to see more from him, obviously, because the two best opponents have been thus far Seton Hall and Kentucky. And in those two games, he's averaged five points um, and 24% from the floor. That's not great at all. That's your, supposed to be your second-best player. That's supposed to be someone who's going to lead you. Um, he got in foul trouble with both teams, turned the ball over seven times in those two games, Kentucky, Seton Hall. So I just think I think he's going to figure it out. Um, and I think I know Charleston Southern was a breeze, and we'll talk about that game later. But just for him to lead the team in points that game, and really kind of just give Cassius Winston almost a, an impromptu night off, uh, that was something that's nice to see. That'll maybe jumpstart him a little bit. I think it will. But we're gonna find out pretty soon because Virginia Tech has height, Duke has height, obviously the Big Ten has height. So it's definitely something that he's gonna have to overcome. He's gonna have to work harder, and he, I, I think he will because at the end of the day, he's very athletic for six eight. He slimmed down a lot, and he is the perfect running mate for Cassius Winston. So the pick and roll, I think, is gonna continue to work, uh, and the, the the troubles will subside a little bit. 
Right, and he's gained a lot of muscle as well, so you expect a lot from a big man like him at 6'8". I think he's definitely improved in every game this season. We could see that last night, Trent, um, versus Charleston Southern. He had a double-double career-high, 21 points on 9 of 12 shooting, 10 rebounds. We'll get more into that game later, but I think, yeah, we do expect a lot out of him, and I think he'll continue to gain kind of that confidence and that um swagger kind of that he has and he'll get better I think I think he's just the season's got to get going a little bit and I think we'll see that versus Virginia Tech yeah and I think you look at the box score once again and you look and one of the biggest things at least that four spot because we're going to keep going to keep talking about it specifically more about Malik Hall but a guy that needs to be touched on a guy who had a couple of decent performances in the last two games for Michigan State was Marcus Bingham Jr. and then he only plays three minutes against Seton Hall and I think part of that has to do with him just not being the guy for that moment. And they went to Malik Hall, who started to get it going. And obviously, you got to keep the hot hand on the floor. But I think it leads some question marks as to where Marcus Bingham kind of slots in. I mean, this is, uh, I-, I think, a Michigan State group that has a lot of depth at that four slot and a lot of different guys that they can play. And I don't know whether Marcus Bingham yet is going to differentiate himself enough from the pack. Do you see Marcus kind of making a move? Do you see Michigan State going back to him, or is this just going to continue to be a power forward by committee? I think I think Thomas will go back to Bingham at some point because Thomas Kithier against Seton Hall wasn't bad. So I mean that always you know that's that's going to keep Bingham on the bench because Kithier in 24 minutes only six points but very efficient two for four field goals and no turnovers uh, didn't really get into much foul trouble. He's always a great rebounder. So that is something that Tamizo likes to have on the floor. Obviously when you're next to Xavier Tillman and we talked about the offensive struggles but the idea is Tillman's going to handle the offensive load and Kithier will do more of the defensive and the gritty stuff, the hustle rebounds, which he had a lot of uh, last night against Charleston Southern. He's just a very – he's got a nose for the ball. I like – is that what you said, I think, in our first episode? You said the, I think it the, was the scout term. nose for the ball. He's got a nose for the ball. So I just think – I think it's more about what and, – and obviously Malik Hall just had it going. Yeah. Time is I'll put him in there, and he just instantly had it going. Seven for seven from the floor, three for three from deep. Um, you can't take a guy out when he's doing that, you know, and that's just basic. You don't have to be Tom Izzo to understand that. But uh, I think what Tom Izzo does understand, and and I know that this will continue to be a thing, is just the depth and just the next man up. So, you know, maybe Thomas Kithier's not playing very well. He'll throw Bingham back out there. I think he's got faith in him. Um, it's just going to be a matter of matchups here and there because Bingham's also the better shooter out of all the options at, um, at power forward. So that's something to look at as well. Yeah, and Natalie, I want to ask you because I think – a big thing that people have been questioning coming into the season and very early on, especially with the way Tillman has been performing, is who is going to be the secondary scoring for Michigan State, and who does that come from? And obviously you look at Aaron Henry in this game, was limited a bit after rolling both of his ankles in kind of a freak play during this game, but looking at this roster, looking at this starting lineup, who is that secondary guy for you as of right now that Michigan State to start to look, look to go to when Winston is off the floor? Well, I think like we talked about earlier, I think Xavier Tillman is expected to have a huge role this year. Um, like we mentioned, he's gained weight but also slimmed down. So he's also I think he's really fit and I think I don't know, he has a lot in him and I think Izzo was saying last night, I expect so much out of him. I expect him to keep on growing. Um so I, I feel like it's Xavier Tillman for sure. I just think last night we could see it versus Charleston Southern how he had a few dunks and 21 points and had a double-double, and I think we can expect him to do that in all of these games. I think he has that ability, and I think he's just got to keep it going as the season rolls forward. 
You know, he's big time. And like you said, we're going to talk about it for the game on Charleston Southern, but a better performance from him. And I think the biggest thing is people are going to talk about his scoring, and I've talked about his scoring. And I do think it's a bit of an issue, but the, the areas where he hasn't been lacking is rebounding. And that's something that I think I've been pleasantly surprised with. And I expected Thomas Kithier to be the guy to get more of your boys, as that was kind of what Kenny Goins did was from the fourth slot get the rebounds versus Tillman. But 11 rebounds in this game against Seton Hall, those ended up being really big, especially against a team with the size that Seton Hall has. Was The grab 11 boards was big uh, for Michigan State. But overall, like I said, a, a pretty gutsy win, a big win, 76-73. And although the Spartans didn't look great, I think they put up a lot of fight. And if you are a team coming into this year, you're trying to make a run in March, and you have the talent that this team has, I think the one thing as a coach you're happy with is even though the talent isn't necess- necessarily together yet, you're happy that the fight and the grit is there. And I think they were led this game by their veterans and the freshmen who all stepped up big time. Yeah, absolutely, because that is what you need. You know, when you have – you're talking about a March Madness tournament, the NCAA tournament, and it's surviving advance. It's literally one game. You know, it doesn't matter if Xavier Tillman shoots one of nine from the floor and Cassius Winston shoots 35%. If you would get that three-point win against a good team in a tough location, something like that, that's literally all that matters because then you're already looking forward to two days from now when you got to play again. So it's it's a quick turnaround. It's one of those things where that's where the coaching of Tom Izzo is going to play to this team's advantage a lot this year. Big-time road test for Michigan State. Once again, 76-73 in a game that I think Izzo said it was uh, like a March game in November for Michigan State. 76-73 on the road on the road against Seton Hall. Uh, Spartans came back from Newark and took on Charleston Southern. That game was on Monday. Like I said, you two were on the call for that one. Uh, and it was just an easy victory at home for Michigan State at the Breslin Center. Get a nice, relaxed tune-up. I think this was one of the, they call them the Maui Mainland games yeah. uh, before you head over to Maui. Uh, uh, for that invitational. Uh, so the game against Charleston Southern, a big win, 94-46, to 46, the final score in that one. Very relaxed game. You two are both there. I'll start with Natalie. want to get your thoughts and takeaways from what was a pretty, pretty coasting game for Michigan State. Right. I think it was a great head start in preparation for the Maui Invitational. They leave this Friday, play Virginia Tech on Monday. Um, you know, I think Xavier Tillman was the big name from last yeah. night, as well as Gabe Brown. I think a lot of... Um, players definitely sort of made their mark, I think, because Xavier Tillman had his um, career-high 21 points, and Gabe Brown stepped up in place of Aaron Henry, and that was a big thing um, that people were talking about. He, let me pull up the stats here, Um, Gabe Brown, well, he had a few massive dunks. I know you guys probably saw this all over social media. It was crazy in person. The crowd went absolutely nuts. Um, Gabe Brown last night scored, let's see. 12. 12. Okay, yeah, 12. And Xavier Tillman, yeah, I think those guys both really stepped up last night. Um, Like we've said, Xavier Tillman really did what we all know he can do. Um, They shared the ball. They scored, rebounded it well. Um, even the bench players had a chance to come in and play towards the end, which is kind of exciting to see. Jack Hoiberg, Braden Burke, um, Brock Washington, and even Steve Venizzo got to come in for a little bit. So that was cool to see as well because um, they were already blowing out the Buccaneers pretty bad. But I thought it was it was a good game for them. Um, didn't take long for Michigan State to heat up. They opened with an early lead, and they dominated late in the first and through the second. So I just think they took control early and kind of held that 
strong mentality throughout the entire game. Yeah, the season's been unique so far in terms of the schedule because you start with a very talented Kentucky team, then you move to Binghamton, which is obviously, you know, assuming nothing crazy happens, that should yeah. be a win. <laughs> and then you play a tough Seton Hall team, and then you come back to Charleston Southern, which again should be a win. So it's one of those things where the Spartans are able to work on something against a really tough team and then clean up the mistakes. And I think that's something that you saw specifically from Xavier Tillman, uh, obviously leading the team in scoring, shooting 75% from the floor last night, double-double, no turnovers. That's something you love to see. Also, Gabe Brown stepping up with Aaron Henry out, uh, just pretty much resting. I think Aaron Henry probably could have gone. Maybe I'm wrong, but um, he did finish the game against Seton Hall. So it's yeah, nothing, I think so. I think he could have gone too this serious, one, but, yeah. but when you're at home and you got a guy like Gabe Brown stepping up, going five for seven from the floor, 12 points, you know, let's see, one, two, three, four here, Spartans, that got to double-digit scoring. Cassius Winston, again, taking an impromptu night off, not really having to do a whole lot, although he did play 25 minutes. Um, it's just nice to see. You're not asking a ton from the Spartans. And, and, the, Spart and, and the team in general uh, played great defense last night, you, I mean, albeit against Charleston Southern, who – um, is a program that's clearly not on the same echelon as Michigan State, but shooting 8% from three-point land was Charleston Southern, as well as 28% from the floor. That's 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 a little bit, yeah, the two players on their whole team shot above 50%. So that's something where, yes, it's obviously a team that's outmatched by the Spartans, but that's also what the Spartans are doing on defense. And that, to me, is something that you will have to look at as well because this is what Tom Izzo wants to see from his team. Yeah, and Trent, you brought up a, a great point in looking at Gabe Brown and just looking at the stats through four games, eight and a half points per game, 50% from the field, three rebounds, he's 30% from three is Gabe Brown so far on this season. And I think this is a guy who everyone looked at him as to take that next step. And I think so far he's been doing it. You talk about his play in this game with the 12 points. He just looks better out there on the floor. It's less hesitation. It's more fluid. The game is coming to him. He's taking shots in rhythm and stride. And I think the biggest thing is his body just looks good. Yep. I mean, this he, I, the, we're talking the, the twitch, the jump, the athleticism is all there. And I think this is a guy who's putting it all together and – I think he's going to be pretty big for Michigan State down the line. Yeah, you see it every game, too. I mean, there's a there's a little flash here and there every game of his, his athleticism and what he's able to do. So that's that's something. He's a sophomore, you know, to come in and play like that and just, just uh, step in in the absence of a guy like Aaron Henry, Joshua Langford, obviously, for the whole season. But that's something that Ty is really going to love to have. And with his six seven height and long wingspan, this is something we expect him to do. And I think – like I've said before on the first podcast, confidence is key with these yeah. young guys, these freshmen, sophomores, and even juniors and seniors. I think the mentality of it, knowing that you you can do it, and he knew he had to step up last night um, with Aaron Henry not playing. And I actually, when I was talking to him about that, he said, it's different. It's big. I had to step up in a lot of big ways tonight. And for Aaron to be out for me to come in and be ready, it was just a big thing for me. And Izzo also made a point in his press conference to say that Gabe is getting better. He's attacking the rim. He's going to the offensive glass. He's running the court better, making shots. And he got to the line a little bit. He can be a guy who finishes at the rim. So I think Izzo was really impressed with his performance last night, and I think he's excited to see how he can get better throughout the season. Yeah, it's big, and you touch on confidence, and confidence is key in getting guys uh, to feel good about the shots they're taking. You make sure they're taking good shots, and a guy who is working on building up his confidence seemingly every single game is Rocket Watts. And this is a guy who we, we have a little impact group chat, and uh, Joey Ellis recently was talking about him, how he doesn't see – 
any issue with his offensive performance and Rocket Watts 4 of 14 in this game has been struggling with his jump shot to say the least so far this season just 25% from the field through four games and I want to pose this to you all because I think I, I am on the side of Joey in saying I like the shots that Watts is taking you can tell that he definitely is trying to figure it out offensively but defensively he's been solid and I think you look at the Seton Hall game and the three he took to I think it was to tie the game uh, before giving it to Winston to take the lead but to take shots like that, to knock it down, that takes the confidence that you talked about, Natalie. And it takes the the ability of a freshman who's super talented to knock those shots down. And I think I like what Michigan State's what he's given Michigan State, and I think so does Tom Izzo. I don't know if you all have different ideas about where he fits and where he slots in, but uh, your thoughts on the early performance from Rocket Watts? He's a you got to remember he's a freshman and he was thrown into the fire almost because of the late news with Joshua Langford just a week before the season begins that he's going to be out with a, his reaggravated foot injury. So Rocket stepping into the starting lineup and again a guy like Kyle Ahrens who could be starting saying start Rocket start him because you know what when it comes down to March and April. He's a guy that you're going to need to maybe take the reins a little bit if Cassius Winston has to sit down for a second. So I think that by Rocket, just it's all about confidence with him. You guys said it. And Tom is the one thing that he's been harping on the last couple of weeks is just you know getting getting Rocket to kind of calm down, take a breath, play play within yourself, don't do anything too crazy. And like you said, Julian, uh, he's been excellent defensively. He's very athletic. He's in control a lot of the times, and the shots he's taking are not obnoxious. They're not circus shots. They're not typical freshman jittery, and he's also not shying away from the ball. So it's something that you know, yeah, he's starting and he's gonna he's gonna find his way. But you know, huge shot against Seton Hall, and last night obviously uh, a pretty a pretty decent performance. So. He's, he's trending up, you know, 7 of 22 combined between Seton Hall and the Charleston Southern game, which isn't great, but we just, you know, as we're talking about, the shots aren't, the shot selection is not terrible. Right, and he's a great athlete, and he's trying, and that's all we can ask from him. Right, he stepped into a big role this year with Josh Langford not being able to play until at least January. But, you know, his impact in his role does have to be bigger, I think, and especially in January if Langford isn't able to come back. We're really going to depend on him. And the next few months, I guess, we'll see what players – are going to be able to step up and fill those roles, just like we saw in Gabe Brown last night and Xavier Tillman's improvement. Um, but I think Rocket Watts definitely being a starter now, I think he does have to make more of a presence on the court, and I think it'll just come in time because being a freshman, he's new. He's in the big leagues now. College is a big step up from college or from high school, excuse me. But I know he played at Spire Academy, which is already kind of a big thing, but going to college, going to a school like Michigan State with the accreditation that they have and – you know, they're always in the news, in the media. We're always ranked in the top. I mean, it's a big thing, and those things can get to your head. So I think if he continues to make those shots and do what he's doing, I think he'll continue to gain that confidence, and his role will be bigger. Yeah, and jumping from Rocket Watts now to Fossil Lawyer, a guy who his his leash seems to be getting, I think, shorter and shorter, is it is the way you want to phrase it, uh, for Foster Lawyer. Rocket Watts taking the starting position and then saw in the game against Seton Hall when Winston went in foul trouble that they kind of went more towards Rocket than Lawyer. And I don't think, and I've been one to be on here and talk about Foster Lawyer and, and a little bit about his play, but for me, at least this season, I don't think it's been anything about his play. I think he, he has been solid offensively. I think the biggest problem you have with Foster Lawyer is his defense. And just the simple fact, not that it's it has nothing to do with his hustle, his heart, the the work ethic it takes to play defense, but I think it's just a guy who's matched up with faster athletes. And 
I just I don't know necessarily where Foster Lawyer slots in, and I think for me that's been something to talk about early on this season, kind of where he goes, and, and I guess I'm posing this to you all. Where do you go with Foster Lawyer if your time is ill? I, I think he's got that he's going to have the opportunity. It's just a matter, matter of whether or not he's going to be able to really do much with it. Um, I think against Seton Hall, he was pretty solid, only playing seven minutes but five points. Uh, I think he had a couple assists in there as well, just running the floor. And it, like you said, he's always going to give you effort, which is worth something because even on defense against a, a Big Ten team or, or a tournament team, like say an ACC team or something like that, Effort is everything, you know. It's it's survive in advance, win or go home, um, and and that's something that Foster Lawyer never lacks. Now he kind of falls in the Marcus Bingham category, where maybe yeah, Rocket Watts might take the reins a little bit more. Kyle Arns, Gabe Brown, those are the wings that Tom Tomizzle has been putting out there. And obviously, anytime you got a point guard like Cassius Winston in front of you, it's going to be really tough to get that playing time because it's all about just if, if what Cassius is doing, right? And very rarely is Cassius going to have a poor game to the point where we need another answer. You know, like that's not gonna that's not gonna happen very often. But I think he's gonna continue to get opportunities in spurts, and it's all about the energy that he brings and what he's able to do with his productivity. Um, and like you said, Julian, it's been nothing to complain about his his actual play. It's more about the other personnel the Spartans have uh, right now. Right, and like last season, he had certain spurts where he would show his true yeah. abilities. Like in the what game was it last Ohio year? State. Ohio yes, State. Yes, yeah. he went off. I, I think everyone was freaking out on social media. Like, who was this Foster Lawyer guy? You know, <laughs> I thought he did great with all his um, three point shots in that game. But like you guys have mentioned, you've hit it all perfectly. I think he is small. So he can't help that. But going against these big guys, that is hard. And being on a team with Cassius Winston, as amazing as he is, I think it is going to be hard for him to get that playing time. I mean, last night he scored two points, and he played a little less than 13 minutes. But didn't do very much. But you could see he's got the hustle. He was always right with those guys. So I think he's got the speed. But yep. the size, that that's a factor that we can't control he can't control but I think he will have those moments where he'll shine this year I guess we just don't know when those will be yeah just for the record he he hit the ground a couple times last night hustling and right. he had the assist of the night through the, through the legs to Tillman through the Did you legs. guys see it yeah I saw it it was okay. like a bowling yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like a bowling ball yeah. just kind of dropped it <laughs> nice through his dive. legs Tillman, nice Tillman put it in beautiful you know yeah. you, you like to see it Most little white chocolate maestro, maestro. maestro. <laughs> point god whatever john stockton <laughs> whatever awesome. you want to call him yeah uh but yeah all in part of a, a very cruising win for michigan state 94 46 the final score final score against charleston southern uh and before leaving that game last thing to touch on as you both were there and i ended up seeing the clip um online as it surfaced but cassius winston uh, did make his first address to the public since uh, the the passing of his brother Zachary Winston, um, and he he got on the microphone post game and he said a few thoughts and um, I don't know I don't have the exact quote pulled up but he did say uh, that it's it's been hard for him and obviously it's been hard but that he he feels supported by Michigan State and is happy to be here um, and then obviously he opened himself up to the media as well or there was a big scrum surrounding him yep. as, as expected uh, for him and so you guys were both in the locker room you heard what he had to say on the floor and so I want to get your thoughts and your uh, your takeaways from what Cassius Winston had to say and kind of what was said from him to the media. Well, I think the the main point that he was trying to make was just that, you know, obviously anytime you go through something like this, heaven forbid we ever have to feel this way, like we don't understand what he's going through. But him saying, you know, I love everything about this place, as in Michigan State, and all three of us are students here, so we can speak to this as well. The family atmosphere here is excellent, 
And um, I think that support is something that he really appreciates and doesn't take lightly, doesn't take for granted. And that's something that he's been leaning on um, throughout this whole process. You know, it's still so fresh. Happened, what, a week ago, week and a half ago? You know, yeah. it's, it's just still really tough. And he, I remember I heard, I overheard uh, when he was talking to the media that his whole family's still here. They're staying at the Kellogg Center here on campus. So his whole family's still around. They're all here. Um, and he's appreciated that support. And playing basketball, I don't know, Tom Izzo's been saying, this is his safe spot. Like this is his safe place this is where he can go to take his mind off things and just kind of be himself and play freely and things like that. So um, that to me is where maybe you're not as surprised that he played against Binghamton just a day after the incident happened, you know, cause yeah. he, yeah, he wants to come take his mind off things for two hours and he's great at what he does. So um, for him, it's mostly about just, I think he really appreciates the support that he gets being on this campus specifically. And um, it goes beyond just being on the basketball team. Right. Like you mentioned, he loves the family atmosphere here. He said he couldn't have done it without all the supportive fans, people sending him and his family flowers, the nice messages on social media. Um, he said that made all the difference for him. And, yeah, his whole family is up here. There's some staying at the Cog Center. He said his mom is renting out a condo somewhere. So she's been up here. Um, I actually saw his dad outside the locker room last night. And last week, or I believe, yeah, on Sunday, just two days ago, he actually went down to Albion and he went to his younger brother Kai's basketball game. And Tom had mentioned in the press conference that – um, they did have practice that day, but he told Cash, go down and support your brother. You need to do that. Um, and Tom also mentioned throughout the press conference just, you know, how he still needs to be in that coach role, but also kind of like a dad to him and tell him, you know, I'm going to be tough on you, but I want you to do what you need to do. So if that means going home to see your family, missing a practice, that's okay. So Tom said it wasn't a great week of practice for everyone, I think, just – with all of that going on, that's really tough on everybody because I know a lot of the players knew Zach and loved him and his spirit. Um, but, yeah, just to recap it all, I think Cash is just, is just very appreciative of everyone's support, and he thinks Michigan State is kind of that grounding for him. I mean, the fact that he was able to play the day after his brother had passed, I mean, that just takes a really strong person. And I don't know if I could do that, but basketball is his life, his love, and that was kind of his way of – taking all of those crazy moments from that day and the night before and just putting it all out on the court. So it really speaks true about his character. Yeah, speaks a lot to Cassius Winston, and I think you both summed it up pretty well that I don't have anything else to add on to it. I think you guys put it put the point where it needed to be. Um, and so for that, I do want to say on behalf of you know Impact Izone on Impact Sports, Impact the Station, uh, we send our condolences to Cassius Winston and his family Absolutely. Um, yeah. for their loss. And I do... I one want to point out the fact Albion their first game uh, since uh, since the in, since the situation with Zachary Winston um, they ended the game with a buzzer beating win and so want to awesome. give that credit want to give a shout out to that and to make sure I quote Cash is right he said with the mic quote I lost a piece of my heart but you guys keep me going end quote um, and I just wanted to make sure I got that right and also make sure on Impact's website um, a great story a great tribute to uh, to Zachary Winston. Uh, written by a very, a very, very good writer who has covered a couple ba- basketball games for us, and Brendan Brendan Shabath uh, wrote a very great tribute to Zachary Winston. So make sure you go and check that out. But once again, our condolences to Cassius and his family uh, during this time. But yeah, big win against Charleston Southern. We'll move the team on for the Maui Invitational. But before we get into the preview of the tournament, we're bringing back my favorite segment: Twitter questions. Yes. No, it's great when we get participation too. Like everybody, keep them coming. It's fun. 
Everybody came in. We got some good stuff. Got some great stuff to answer. Uh, for the next one, I'll tweet it out again. But make sure if you have a question for us, use the hashtag #ImpactIzone to send it in, and we will answer it right here on the pod. So let's get started. We'll get the first one out of the way. We've been kind of tiptoeing around it since we talked about uh, the last games. But main man Ryan Rabinowitz, co-host of the Green and White Report and host, one of the co-hosts, of the Motown Rundown podcast, which is going to record pretty soon after us, actually. Ryan Rabinowitz, at Ryan Rabinowitz 4, asked, Is it an overreaction to think Malik Hall should be starting at the 4 from now on based on the last game's performance? Where do you expect him to fit into the rotation going forward? And Trent, I'm going to start with you. So I know Ryan very well, and I know exactly <laughs> what he's thinking with this question. Why not get your young guys out there if the, you know if the if the, there is a bit of an opening at the four spot? But um, you know, it's obviously not something that would be detrimental to the team. I don't think anyone could argue that Malik Hall's been excellent so far. Thomas Kithier's been excellent so far. You can't really complain. It's just a matter of for me. I think Malik Hall brings you a little more offense than Kithier does, and for that reason, I would have him coming off the bench. It's similar, and I'll I'll use a Detroit Pistons reference here because we're on the topic of Ryan Rabinowitz. No, of um, course, Derek Rose. You have him coming off the bench in place. You know, you start Tim Fraser or Reggie Jackson at point guard simply because you want that extra offensive production off your bench. So that's just something. It's a preference thing for Thomas, though. And, again, it might fluctuate throughout the season. We might see some different lineups. But um, if it were up to me completely, I would keep Malik Hall on the bench because he is a freshman. Thomas Kithier is the sophomore right now. And even Marcus Bingham, maybe you throw him a bone in one of these next few games. I'd, probably not against Duke or Virginia Tech. But uh, further down the line, you can throw him a bone at the four spot to start. Um, yeah, but Malik Hall, obviously, if you do start him, you can't go wrong. Right, and I think, you know, he scored a crucial 17 points in the second half of that Seton Hall game, and I think a freshman being able to step up like that kind of shows his abilities and kind of his mindset in a game like that. I know everyone was on their toes the whole time, and for him to step up and do that, I think that was huge. Probably was the performance of the year so far. Right, definitely a huge breakout game from a young freshman in him. But, yeah, I don't know. I I think I agree with you, Thomas Kithier. I mean, he is the— he is a sophomore, so I think maybe he should keep it. But I like the four spot. But I also I don't know. Just for a freshman to be able to come out and do that, I feel like Malik. I don't know. I think we should give him a few chances and just see how he does as a starter. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's yeah, a very interesting it is question. interesting. It is, and it's kind of it kind of leads you to 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 want to give that answer because of the latest performance. Um, I lean more with Trent in this one. I I think. What I like about Thomas Kithier, I guess shouldn't I shouldn't say I like, but I think what you like is Michigan State with Thomas Kithier, and I guess I end up liking it too because it's great basketball when you watch it. But he compliments Xavier Tillman yeah. a whole lot better in terms of what what you need from that starting lineup. You need a guy who's gonna allow Xavier Tillman to have that space to operate and room to work, and I think that's what what Tom Izzo enjoys as well. And having Kithier come on and like Trent said, having that offense off the bench is going to be good for Michigan State. Now, what I like is the wrinkle that that provides. You work with a Thomas Kithier and a Xavier Tillman for starting, and then after that you bring in a pick-and-pop artist like Malik Hall who's going to knock down threes who can finish at the rim, and that's just kind of two different Michigan State teams you kind of work with with more of a, a pick-and-roll than a pick-and-pop with uh, Malik Hall, and I think those two types of of play styles can be very different when you have Hall coming off the bench. Um, so then fitting into the rotation, I would see he's probably your first traditional four off the bench. Uh, depending on what Izzo wants to do, you could see Gabe Brown getting minutes at the four if he wants to do some small ball. But in terms of uh, the four spot, you're going to get your first traditional four, your first traditional power forward. 
it's going to end up being Malik Hall for me, in my opinion. Uh, but all good on that question. Moving to Ryan Cole, a guy who's whose chair I I'm sitting in right now. He used to sit in this chair uh, at Ryan underscore Cole nine. He asks, "What's Marcus Bingham's expectation now that he put together a couple of decent performances?" And then he said, "Also miss you guys, Ryan. We miss you too." Yeah, this is, he's the goat. <laughs> the goat, greatest of all time. Legend. I never Hold got to meet him. He was an awesome. But I've guy. heard a lot about yeah, him. Very awesome passionate. Guy. I yeah. only knew him for a semester. I was a little. I got a little. I got a little shafted. It's like it's like a tease, you know, because like Natalie can sit here and hear all the the legendary stories about Ryan Cole. I was like, dipped my toes in the Ryan Cole water and then like got yanked out, and you know what I mean? Yeah, not, you like gone. saw the trailer yeah. but didn't get to see the movie. Yeah, no, nah, that's a great great analogy right there. But to answer the question, we kind of touched on it briefly earlier, but to go more in depth about it, I think Marcus Bingham is kind of the foster lawyer of the front court players because he is factually the odd man out. Because you look at, obviously, Xavier Tillman's got that starting five locked up. Uh, Thomas Kithier has started every game so far at the four. Like you said, Gabe Brown is another guy who could play the four. Malik Hall stepped up and played well. And even, I mean, Julius Marble's playing time hasn't been drastically lower than Bingham so far. I know Bingham played a lot against Kentucky and obviously against Binghamton too. But um, I, I just think Marcus Bingham, it's going to be all about, similar to Foster Lawyer, it's all about what opportunities you get. I think he is going to get somewhere around 12 to 15 minutes a game when we get to Big Ten play. I think he is going to play some minutes at the four because of, of his shooting. That allows Temizo to throw him out there, you know, along with a guy like Kyle Ahrens who can shoot the three. Cassius Winston obviously can shoot the three. Gabe Brown can shoot the three. So that's a, that's a lineup where if you want to put your best shooters on the floor, Bingham's got to be your four for sure. Right, and he did play 12 minutes last night, six points. I mean, I think his role has grown this year. I think it's definitely more prominent, especially with the loss of Josh Langford and everything on the team and a lot of people having to step up. But I don't know. I think the thing about Marcus Bingham, like you said, the whole faster lawyer thing, I think his opportunities will come. I guess we just don't know when. But what I love about him is just his good energy. I think – I don't know. I I think everyone loves him. He's a good leader to have on the team and – I think he's been trying to take advantage of his playing time and opportunities. He had a dunk last night, I believe. Um, and I just, I don't know. I think, I just feel like his role has grown like a lot of the players. And I just think um, throughout the games, I guess, we'll just see when his opportunities come and when he shines. Yeah, for me, Marcus Bingham, his expectation is he's just got to be a guy who's going to come in and knock down shots and give you some offense. Uh, he's got to be a big body, so he's got to be down there to play some good defense on the bigs. Uh, he's got to be re- able to rebound. My biggest, biggest thing so far, and it's kind of been something he came in wanting to do and was the biggest problem for Marcus Bingham, is that he fell in love with the three. Now you're looking at him to kind of shoot it some more and be able to knock that down. So far on the season, 0 of 5 from beyond the arc. If he's able to not only finish and finish like he's been doing so far this season, but knock it down from 3, that is going to be a big piece for that 4 slot uh, for Michigan State if he's able to get in and play some good minutes. Uh, But that's my expectation for Marcus Bingham. Kyle Turk asks, asks the next question at Kyle Turk GHT he asks after New York City have you changed your opinion on the outcome of MSU Duke I thought a lot about this question so talking about the prediction for December 3rd yeah okay yeah I I would say I mean I my initial my initial impression on that game is it's going to be the young guys from Duke with the exception of Trey Jones obviously against a a well-seasoned Michigan State team 
And I do think that Tom Izzo having that that win under his belt last year against Coach K, I don't think he I don't think Tom Izzo was ever intimidated. But at least you got the monkey off your back of like I beat this guy in a big game. I beat this guy in a big spot. And I think Michigan State, um I, I don't think it changed my opinion a whole lot, but it's definitely gonna be a good matchup because in the Champions Classic we obviously we obviously saw two very good matchups and two very close games between four very good teams. So um I don't know. We're going to have to see. We're going to have to see when we get there. It's, what, two weeks away, so the, the rankings yeah, might change away. a little bit and, you know, things might fluctuate. But I do think Michigan State will pull it out. Right. Duke's always tough. Yeah, I mean, always. Every, everyone knows that. If you don't know anything about college basketball, you know Duke's always a great team. Coach K is a legend, as well as Tom Izzo. But I just think this matchup, like you said, it's kind of hard to say right now. I think it'll come down to the wire, just like Seton Hall. I mean, that was the only ranked team we had played this year. So... And Duke, obviously, they're number one right now, right? The new poll came yeah, out. Yeah, new poll. Yep. So, I mean, as of right now, it's a 1v3 matchup. But I, I don't know. I just think Duke's always tough. Yeah, we got that win last year, but I think it's nothing to sleep on. I think Michigan State needs to prepare as good as they always have, if not better. And I just, yeah, I think it's going to come down to the wire. Yeah, I think I predicted Duke was going to be a loss for Michigan State on the home floor. Um I'm going to stand by my prediction still. It's definitely getting harder to stand by that because I personally did not like the way Duke played in that championship classic game, and I definitely don't think you like the way Michigan State played either um, in that one. But Duke, just to me in that one, did not look great. Uh, And I think, obviously, you say they have a lot to fill in for with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett leaving. And to me, I think they still have some holes and a lot of stuff to figure out, and they they won't be by the time, I don't think by the time they get there, as tested as Michigan State is when they meet. Um, I'm still going to roll with Duke just because I think Michigan State also has a lot of stuff to figure out. And I think in this last game against Charleston Southern, you saw them look a bit tired and a little bit slow. And I think part of that is just this early schedule they're playing and with everything they've been dealing with. And so I, I still don't think it's out of the realm of possibility um, for Duke to pick up the win, but it's definitely it's, it's, it's looking more a like bit. a toss-up uh, yep. more and more each day between these two teams. But a very interesting matchup will take place on December 3rd. We'll be there for that game. Um, should be a great one. And like you said, Natalie, uh, poll kind of stays around kind of where it is and a 1v3 matchup, a top top 25 matchup for sure uh, when you get there. Next question for, from Zachary Swiseki at Zach Swise. What's the more – he gave us some stats here, lots of numbers. What's the more indicative stat for MSU season, the 38.8% three-point on 26 attempts per game, the 1.6 assist-to-turnover rate, uh, or the 63 points per game allowed on 45% effective field goal percentage? I believe it's the 1.6 assist to turnover rate, and the only reason I say that is because I think this is a classic example of a team that came into the season with high expectations. Um, they're playing a little too loose. Obviously, we saw we see key players like Cassius Winston with four turnovers against Seton Hall. That's a big game on the road. Can't really do that. Xavier Tillman, same thing. I think this is a classic example where you see this team start to gel and mesh a little bit as the season goes on. Because time is all, quite frankly, just to you know, he's not going to put up with that. Um, yeah, your assisted turnover ratio's got to be somewhere. Yeah, I don't even know what a good one would be, but that's not good. You know, I know that for sure. Yeah. So I would say that right now, that's the biggest thing the Spartans got to clean up. Um, in terms of the three-point thing, I think that's kind of been a nationwide epidemic so far. Um, with the line moving back, we obviously talked about that in our first episode, but I think that's something that everybody's struggling with a little bit right now. Got to kind of get their feet underneath them, and with the the points per game allowed and the efficient field goal percentage. 
that again, I'm going to trust Tom Izzo's coaching as the season goes on, getting this unit more reps together, getting certain lineups more reps together, because the defense will improve for sure. Right, and more reps is key at anything. Um, I think you kind of hit it all there, Trent. Um, Julian, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts looking at it, I am going with the 30.8% three-point shooting on 26 attempts. I think this is a team with some good shooters on it. They've been struggling so far this season. And I personally, I think the, that percentage will go up. Uh, but as you get closer and closer to March and you get deep into the postseason and you're trying to take on some of these other teams, you got to be able to knock down the three ball at some point. Um, I think things will regress to the mean. Uh, but for right now, if I'm looking at a way, if you're a team that's trying to come in and beat Michigan State, you look at this three-point percentage right now and you say, okay, if they're not going to shoot threes, we can be in this ballgame. And so I look at that number uh, for me as something to look out for early on in the season. Uh, again, from Swai, he asked another question. Early season, Big Ten favorite, sleeper, and letdown teams? Um, I got to stick with the favorite as Michigan State, obviously. I just think they Michigan State has shown enough at this point to believe that they're going to be, um, they're gonna be there in the end. Sleeper. I'm still going to roll with Illinois. Julian, I'm going to take a page out of your book. I just like the program I they like got it. going there. I like the athleticism on that team. I haven't really had a chance to watch much of Illinois yet, but I'm looking forward to getting a chance to. And my letdown team, uh, I don't I don't really I – I, I'll be honest, I haven't looked at a ton of the Big Ten stuff so far. Um, so I'm going to say Michigan, and I have no reason. I'm just going to say Michigan, and that's, that's how I roll. Honestly, I haven't really looked – at a lot of the schedules or watched really any other Big Ten games this season. Um, yeah, you made an interesting point, Julian, to pick Illinois as your kind of other favorite for this team. I know. I'm looking at the schedule right now. Um, three and one. I mean, they've played one ranked team in Arizona and lost. I don't know. I guess I can hop on the Illinois train for this one. Um, I think I agree with Michigan, though. With what you said, Trent, because I think a first-year head coach sometimes is never easy in Jawan Howard. I mean, he's got a lot of experience, but I don't know. They're are they three and zero right now? Four and zero? They are three and zero. They've got they've got one convincing but win. Creighton, right? Did they? Um, who? it was against Elon. Elon? Yeah. Okay. The so, Creighton win was by ten, and then App State was uh, or App was it App State? Yeah, yeah, Appalachian State. Uh, that's only an eight-point win at home. So I just don't think I don't think they've really met expectations yet, especially when they're led by a guy like John Teske, just the, the talent they got, Isaiah Livers. I would expect a little bit more at this point. Uh, but like you said, first-year head coach. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. Yeah, no, no, just, no, yeah. you're totally fine. All good input. I don't know. I guess I'm being real original here. I guess I'm following the same thing you are because, I mean, I do think Ohio State's going to be great. I don't think they're going to be a letdown or a sleeper. Same with Maryland. So I, I guess it's kind of hard to say at the moment. What do you think, Julian? Yeah, it's very early in the season. Uh, my favorite, I'm going to go with the same thing with Michigan State. As the favorite, I think they're just head over heels the the best team in this conference. I think Maryland uh, can put up a fight behind them, even Ohio State. But I think you just look up and down the Michigan State roster. And what we've been seeing so far, they just have the better team. Um, sleeper. Illinois is still up there. I think people are buying some stock in them. So just to switch it up from Illinois, I'm going to go with Penn State. As a sleeper team, I like what they have. Lamar Stevens is still out there. They got, like, I think four guys averaging double digits so far this season for them. So I'll roll with Penn State as a sleeper and let down. Uh, this was a tough one. It's kind of a team that I expected to not be as good, but a lot of people um, had pretty high in their rankings, and that's the Purdue Boilermakers. Just don't think they have enough offense to cover up uh, for the loss of Carson Edwards and 
so far it's kind of been panning out. I think they're two and two on the season so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, they're going to be my letdown team. So I think that's so far early on how the Big Ten uh, is shaking out. We'll get more into Big Ten uh, to the Big Ten conferences. More of the play gets to gets to start out here, and we get more into the season. Our next question from Brendan Wilner at b underscore Wilner sixteen. Shout out Brendan, old producer of the Green and White Report. If you could pick one former MSU basketball player to play one on one, who would it be, and why? This is a tough question because I'm five foot eight and 150 pounds, so <laughs> I would get mopped with anybody. But I guess I would just pick Brandon Dawson because he's my favorite Michigan State player of all time. Um, when I played basketball, like my eighth grade and freshman year of high school, I wanted to be like him. That's how I wanted to play. I was just kind of a tenacious guy, like to rebound, like to shoot mid-range shots and just kind of just be be a gritty person. Uh, so I, I'd pick Brandon Dawson just for that reason. I love Brandon Dawson. I like that. I like that pick. I don't know. It's hard. I I'm I'm even smaller than you, Trent. I'm five four. Oh, you're giving so. somebody <laughs> buckets, Natalie. You're giving somebody buckets. I know. I don't know. I'm kind of torn between like Draymond Green or Miles Bridges. I mean, I came in freshman year with Miles also being a freshman. Both of us did, Julia. And mm-hmm. then I don't know. He's just. I feel like he'd be fun to hang out with. Same with Draymond, though. Like, I just feel like he's got a lot of cool experiences being on the Warriors and. I don't know. I feel like it'd just be kind he'd of probably cool talk to, like, a lot of smack. Talk yeah. about. I think he would. That's the other fun thing. Like I just feel like he'd be. He would go hard. Would go. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like maybe Draymond Green. Then I think that would be kind of a fun thing. I don't know. I think it'd just be fun to have a conversation with him more than anything. Yeah. Okay, sure. I'm with it. Uh, one. So okay. So I have two choices for this one. One is is more of just my fun choice, and the other is we're going out on a limb saying that I think I have a chance. So we're gonna start first. And we're just gonna go with my phone one because he's my 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 favorite Michigan State player, a guy who I watched a lot of was Travis Trice, and I would love to play uh play just a game against Travis Trice and uh, yeah just mess around with him. Uh, my other pick, all right, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Uh, to, to the audience, I am five three, probably like one sixty, soaking wet, but <laughs> but. Give me Kenny Goins one on one, and I'm dusting him. He he, you know, he can't I, stay in front of me. I'm surprised you picked Nick Ward. I thought about Nick Ward. I thought about it, but he just sometimes he just got that face that looks like I will send your stuff yeah. out of here. And yeah. Kenny right. Goins, he just looks so happy. He's just a happy go lucky <laughs> yeah. guy. I met him. He's a good guy. And I just he really feel like is. I'm He's crossing jolly. him up. Like, you know, I played with Julian. Julian is very very. <laughs> Julian Julian's like this. Like, Here he's, come he's the like, compliments. No, no, he's like Russell Westbrook. He's just like he plays with his head. He puts his head down and just plays the head full. And just Steve. doesn't look at the and rim. Just, no, and just goes with a knockout punch, and it's awesome. Takes flight, blocks a couple shots out of bounds. That's what he does. I do it. I, I'm telling you, send him to the Goins, second row, Julian. Okay, he'd sit up okay. there and he, he'd, he'd come up to me. I'd give him one hesitation with the right <laughs> hand, and we're right to the rim. It's over. <laughs> It's over. I love it. So I'll go with Kenny Goins. Efforts, all that matters, Julian. <laughs> I think you can do it. I believe in what? you. What are your thoughts, Trent? That hit me with the efforts, all that matters. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm going to try really hard. I, lightning fast, Julian. I'd like Julian. to see this I, happen. Oh, yeah, it'd be awesome. We there we go. I'm calling out Kenny Goins. Getting on the phone. One-on-one with me. Um, <laughs> last question to round out our Twitter questions uh, from Zach Zerdenick. Uh, at Zach Zerdenick on Twitter. What do you think expectations should be from Malik Hall and Rocket Watts down the stretch? For me, it's simple. They're both freshmen. They're both coached by Tom Izzo. I think they're going to be excellent down the stretch. I think the season, you know, they'll trend up, and by the time we get to even late February, early March, I think they're going to be in pretty good tip-top shape for in terms of just what Tom Izzo needs from them. I think Rocket Watts will be giving you somewhere close to 8 or 10 points per game, and then Malik Hall will just give you his 15 minutes off the bench, and he'll play really solid. 
Right. And I think Malik Hall proved that in his game against Seton Hall. I mean, I think 17.7 for seven shooting and three three points. I mean, for a freshman to come off the bench and do that during a crucial game where it was really close, kind of down to the wire, I think it proves that he's going to do well this year. And Rocket Watts, like we've talked about earlier, I think he just has to keep making those shots. I think he's just going to keep getting better. He's a freshman on this starting lineup. It's hard. The pressure's hard. But I think as the season goes on and they get some of these wins under their belt and he gets playing times and he makes his shots, I think it'll just go up from there. So I think both of them, um, Malika and Rocket, both have a very prominent role this season. And I think that, yeah, they're just going to continue to get better. And having Tom Izzo as their coach, I think that's bound to happen. Yeah, both freshmen. I'm looking and as far as points in the, the 6 to 10 range um, in terms of that's what you want to see from them. Almost night in and night out. It's just a nice six to, uh, 6 to 10 points coming in, doing some great things. For Rocket Watts, looking for him to be more of a pass defensively. I think that's a guy who with Langford out, at least for the foreseeable future, you need someone who's going to lock down defensively. Watts, I think, can be that guard and so far has been pretty well that guard for Michigan State. Um, you look at Malik Hall, it's a guy who just got to come in and knock down some shots, especially at least I think about two or three three-pointers a night. If he can get that for Michigan State and be a, a threat from the outside, uh, that can change what this offense can do. But yeah, that rounds it out. That rounds it out for the Twitter questions on uh, Season 7, Episode 2 of Impact Izzo. We'll have some more Twitter questions on the next episode. So once again, be sure to send those in using the hashtag Impact his own, and then I will tweet again uh, when we're going to record so you can send in some of those questions. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, recording the podcast, Virginia Tech is on the clock for Michigan State. That game, the beginning of the Maui Invitational in beautiful Maui, Hawaii. I wish Impact would, uh, would purchase the flight for us so we can head out there. Not too late. Not too late. Not too late. Jeremy, Impact, whoever we got to talk out. to, let's talk to. Jeremy, programming, I don't know, whoever handles all this stuff. We're, <laughs> yeah. Our travel agent, please, yeah. book Whoever's the tickets. listening, Because we have travel agents. We have those. <laughs> we have the weather's those. gross here. We need a vacation. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be so good. <laughs> Aloha, baby. <laughs> but, uh, Heck yeah. A 5 p.m. tip on Monday against Virginia Tech for Michigan State. Looking at the Virginia Tech Hokies, 4-0 this year. We'll play a game tomorrow night at home against Delaware State at 1.30 p.m. They finished last season 26-9, 12-6 in the ACC. Lost in the semifinal of the ACC tournament to Florida State. Then got a bid to the tournament where they made a sweet 16 berth, losing to Duke, who would go on to play Michigan State in the Elite Eight. And we know we all know how that panned out for Duke. Uh, lost a lot of key players, including Justin Robinson, who went on to the NBA, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who went to the NBA as well, and Kerry Blackshear Jr., who made thoughts of going to Michigan State, but ended up uh, doing the grad transfer to Florida, Florida and Ahmed Hill. All were the top four scorers on the team a season ago. This year, the Hokies are led by ACC Freshman of the Week, Landers Nolly the second, averaging 22.8 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, 50% from the field, and 46% from the three-point line. One thing on Nolly, I was reading an a, a article from the Roanoke Times after their last game, and he said, quote, I'm one of the most impactful freshmen in the country. Set out a year last year as a redshirt. He said that bettered him, got more knowledgeable skill. I got in better shape. My mind got better. It prepared me for the moments I'm in now, end quote. Landers Nolly, 
not a guy to mess with, and Michigan State will have their hands full dealing with him in the game on Monday to start off the Maui Invitational, a tournament where they can see the likes of Kansas, Chaminade, BYU, UCLA, Georgia, and Dayton, depending on what shakes out. So Trent, or actually, no, I'm going to start with Natalie. Natalie, I'll start with you. want to get your prediction, your thoughts on this matchup against Virginia Tech. You know, I think it's always hard traveling. Um, it's never easy going to an away game, especially one that is kind of across the other, well, I guess across, very across the country, as far west as you could go, honestly. So Tom mentioned yesterday in the press conference, um, just like I said, it's hard traveling, time difference, that's never easy. But Virginia's gonna, ha- Virginia Tech's going to have the same problem with the traveling as well. So I think, I don't know, it's going to come down to, just everything sort of coming together. I mean, I can say that for any game, but I think just all the puzzle pieces kind of have to be in the right spots. I think Xavier has to have another great game. I think Rocket needs to continue to make shots and hopefully they go in. I think players just have to perform and do well and just not let the whole craziness of, oh, we're in Hawaii right now, like the mindset kind of goes somewhere else. I think they just need to stay focused, and I think all the pieces need to come together. I mean, I would say that for any game, but especially just because of other factors like travel and being in a very cool place like that, I think it's easy to kind of get distracted. So I think they need to just stay focused, and if the puzzle pieces come together, I don't think they'll have a problem. Yeah, something that I think is going a little under the radar this year for Virginia Tech is the absence of Coach Buzz Williams. I think he's an excellent coach now at Texas A&M. So they're kind of going through something similar to a program like Michigan where, yeah, it's an established program, uh, multiple NCAA tournaments in the last 10 years, but the continuity hasn't really been there this year. But you wouldn't know if you just looked at Virginia's record, or excuse me, Virginia Tech's record, 4-0. And like you said, Nolly's balling out. So that, to me, is something that you're going to have to look at. Cassius Winston, I, I don't think – well, Cassius Winston won't be guarding him. He's a 6-7 guard, Nolly is, and he's averaging 23 points per game. It'll be interesting to see how Tamazo defends him. Um, one area where I definitely think the Spartans have the advantage here is rebounding. Virginia Tech, not a great rebounding team. Um, all four of their leading rebounders are guards. And their leading rebounder is Tyrese Radford, a 6'2 freshman. Uh, that, to me, is something to watch because Xavier Tillman, Thomas Kithier, Malik Hall, even Julius Marble, who might get some minutes, these are all tenacious rebounders. The tenacity is something that Michigan State has in a neutral location. I always favor Tomazo, so I'm going to roll with the Spartans in this one. I think the Spartans get a convincing win over Virginia Tech. Should be a good one in Maui. Trent, I am right with you. This uh, this Hokies team kind of struggles a bit to score outside of Nala. They struggle to rebound on the glass. I see a win for Michigan State to start out the Maui Invitational. They'll then end up awaiting uh, if they do win the winner of Georgia and Dayton uh, to take on in the next round. But a win for Michigan State, I predict, against Virginia Tech. Say with a score like 76-68, I think is going to be my score All in right. that one. I think we're going to go with that. Um, any score predictions you guys have? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Michigan State scores at least 75 points, and I don't think Virginia Tech gets to 60. I think it's a 10 point win, so I'll say 75, and I think 65 or lower for Virginia Tech. I know that's a, that's a terrible prediction, but whatever. I know. I mean, I don't know. Going off the top of my head, yeah, Michigan State should score between 70, 75, something like that. So, yeah, a 10 point lead sounds right. Maybe I'll predict. I don't know. 72, 60, I don't know, three, <laughs> 62, 62, something like that. Right, I don't right. know. Just throwing out numbers there. That, that, I don't know. That's what comes to my head. 
All right, but predicted wins for Michigan State. Once again, that game is on Monday. Tip-off for 5 p.m. It will air on ESPN2 in beautiful Maui, Hawaii. That's going to be it. For the Impact Is Own podcast, a lot of games we just took, we just finished wrapping up. Took a look at Virginia Tech, did some Twitter questions. We hit it all in this one. Season seven, episode two of Impact Is Own. For Julian Mitchell, Trim Bally, Natalie Kerwin, that's gonna be it, and we'll catch you all next time.